different issues concerning religion, beliefs, false religion, things like that, the attack of Satan, what's going on in our world. And uh, I'm going to finish that up tonight, next Wednesday night, Lord willing, unless he changes my mind. Uh, what we'll probably do is take our church constitution and bylaws. What is that? That's what we say we believe. And uh, it's basically the Bible, but it's what we believe in, and the procedures and the things that we, we have, our policies, whatever, and just go through it uh, page by page and explain and to remind ourselves why that's in there. And, uh, of course, we have folks in our, in our midst, in our, in our gathering that don't necessarily aren't members of the church yet. They might be interested in that. And then, of course, there are members that have never even bothered to read it, although they're supposed to. Uh, and uh, you need to know what we believe or why we believe that. Now, I don't have it memorized, but I know why it's there once I take a look at it. And uh, so I would encourage you to, to continue and to uh, learn some things about that as well. And it could be, it could be that we say, what in the world is that in there for? You know, uh, is that in the Bible? And it could be that we do that too. So anyhow, let's take our Bibles, Matthew chapter 24 and verse 35. Jesus is speaking about the last days in Matthew 24. And he says in verse 35, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. You know, there's just a lot of things that, that aren't a guarantee. When I was a kid, and even as a young man, I bought Craftsman Tools because Sears was an icon of a store. Now, you can still buy Craftsman Tools, but Sears don't, don't have no Sears no more. And the Sears Tower, I don't even think is the Sears Tower anymore. And there's just some things that aren't lifetime guarantee like you think they are. And uh, they're only as guaranteed as the guarantor happens to be around. Well, the good news is the person who, who authored this is still around. And I love that. I love the fact that heaven and earth, and that's what we sing it, the Bible stands. Though the hills may crumble, the Bible will still stand. That is awesome. I've often said this, that the biggest problem with those three beautiful documents out there, Declaration of Independence, United States Constitution, and Bill of Rights. Awesome. I'm so thankful I live in the country where all three of those are awesome. But the biggest problem with them is, is that the guys who wrote it aren't here anymore. And they no longer can tell us what they meant, and they no longer can help us defend it. But the person who authored this is still here and when everything else falls apart this will still be here and I'm thankful for that I'm thankful for that promise what a great thing just to think about and so as we wrap all this up and we talk about all these issues I'll tell you what it really is it, it really is this and we've heard we've heard this I heard someone said someone repeated it to me tonight during prayer time According to what we've been told, and I believe the statistics are accurate, according to what we've been told, only 9% of Christians read the Bible. Only 9% of Christians read the Bible. Now, what percent of Christians are in our world? What percent of Christians are in our nation? That's a small percentage by itself. Now, of course, a lot of people might call themselves Christians, but Irregardless, regardless whether or not, only 9%, okay? Now, I happen to know this. Um, there's been several studies done in the last 12, 15 years. Um, the, the King James that we use and believe and trust uh, was 400 years old back in 2011. And so the USA Today newspaper, and you all know that is a great, great Christian newspaper. Just kidding. The USA Today newspaper ran a story about the King James in 2011. It said it's 400 years old. And they did a survey. And they, they quoted a survey that had been done. I've seen this done before. It's not just USA Today. It's not just one survey. I've seen this done even a few years ago. And here's what they found. Of the people who read their Bible every day, of the people who read their Bible every day, the majority of those who are actually reading it every day are reading the old King James. 
Now think about all the new versions that have come out. I, I, it's over 30% for the King James, less than half of that. So it's under 15, it's like 12%. I think it's the NIV. I think it's 10% ESV. I think it's 7% for NASB or something like that or New King James or something like that. But the vast majority are reading from the King James. Now, what was the selling point of all those modern versions? What's the main selling point of all those other versions? It's easier to read. Hello, people. The statistics tell you something. What do they tell you? They ain't helping. Because if you're serious enough to read it, which one do you want to read? The one that you know is worth reading. The one that isn't questionable. I'm not trying to make fun of anybody tonight. We've been going to that Monday night class of, of Patriot Academy, and I sure appreciate it, and I know you do too. But there's, a, there's a, an underlying problem, and that is, is that we don't know our Bibles. I'm not sure that even everyone who goes to the class reads their Bible every day or even know which Bible to read. But something came up, I think it was a week ago, concerning what's called the Founder's Bible. And what it is, it's, it's a Bible that someone has put together and it's got lots of patriotic history in it and it has connections to passages in the Bible to show where they got that in, in their, you know, their thinking of, of like the Constitution, Declaration, Bill of Rights, things like that. And so I think it's got some valuable notes in it. But I looked at it and the, the, the version, the actual Bible version that the founder's Bible you know, was produced with, it's the New American Standard Version, all right? So here's the thing. The New American Standard Version came out in like the 70s maybe? Guess what? That ain't the Founder's Bible. Because I know how to do math. And that's a long ways from 1776. Do you know what the Founder's Bible is? This one right here. This is the, in fact, back then, this was the English Bible. All right? So, of the 9% that they say are reading, how many of them are reading that one? We know that the majority are, but certainly not all 9%. Now, I, in this day and age, I'm glad they're reading a version, although there are issues. But let me just say this. And let me just quickly say it, and, and, and I think you'll understand what I mean. Congratulations, devil. You've done a good job. You remember Paul Harvey, if I were the devil? Yeah. The devil's done a great job. It's amazing how many people know about Jesus and how many people actually know what he said. And that's where we're at. Last week, of course, we were talking about The Chosen and that, that very popular TV series that about, supposedly about Jesus. Now, the creators of it have said that it is 95% fiction. It's about a, a plausible Jesus. Here's the thing. God's word was meant to be read and it was meant for you and I to read it and to study it and to know what it says. Jesus didn't just say, my words will not pass away. He also said back in Matthew chapter four, and let's look there. Matthew chapter four. I'm trying to just wrap this whole idea up tonight with lots of different things running through my head. But Matthew chapter 4, it says in verse 1, then was Jesus led of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. On purpose, God wanted this confrontation. And so Jesus was in the wilderness, verse 2, when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. I should say so. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. I often joked, I had a sister who used to be able to make bread into stones, but this is different. Command that these stones be made bread. And if you've got one of those Bibles that have the red ink, you can see from verse 4 to verse 10, there's three different red ink verses because there was three different temptations that Satan gave him. Now think about it. He's hungry. Can you imagine? I can't even imagine 40 days. If you're God, turn these stones into bread. But what an answer. 
What's the first three words in all three of these red letters? It is written. He gets the last one. He rebukes Satan and then says it is written. You know what Jesus teaches us to do by this story? It is written. And oh, by the way, he didn't have to pull out a pocket copy and read it. He knew what it said. It is written, and by the way, it's, this is from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by, what's the next word? Every word, Every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. You know why we have Anchor Club? Because the Bible says, thy word have I hid in my heart. I realize that the children in Anchor Club are not hiding God's word in their heart. They are cramming it in their head so they can get a piece of candy. So they can get a button on their sash. So they can pass the section. I was just like them. I, one time in my life, I was a kid and I was in Awana and we had Bible memory time and all I was focused on was getting it done so I could win the prize. But somewhere along the line, when I started to grow up and mature, God did a wonderful thing. Thank you to those people, those Awana volunteers way back 30 years ago, 40 years ago. Those Awana volunteers that, that encouraged me to memorize because about 30 years ago, 35 years ago when I was a teenager, all of a sudden I realized, hey, hey, what I got up here needs to be down here. And, and all of a sudden it started to become real to me. I remember one time I was in my living room and we were playing a game and we had this balloon and we were just playing a volleyball in the living room with a balloon. And, and I started singing this hymn that we had sang at church and all of a sudden it's like, that's in the Bible. Huh. You know, ding. That, what we sing, is that, that comes out of the Bible. That's why we sing it. And all of a sudden, all that teaching and everything that was up here started to get down here. And that's all I'm hoping for when we work with young people and old people. And, and, and even old people in Sunday school, we have Bible memory. And the teacher grabs the candy bag and says, here, you said a Bible memory verse. Have a piece of candy. But the real reason is to hide God's word in our heart. Why? Because Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone. It is not the thoughts and ideas, but the every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Now, you know what the problem is, is that most Christians today, most ministers today don't really believe we have the actual words that came out of the mouth of God. And so many churches are just preaching ideas and concepts, reading poems and stories, and everybody just what does the Bible mean to you? Or what does it mean to you here? And, and, and nobody has a standard anymore. Well, if he said every word of God, I think he meant every word of God. Satan went on to, to tempt him again. In verse 7, Jesus said, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. He quoted Deuteronomy 6, verse 16 this time. Then <clears throat> Satan... Satan, during that time, had quoted Psalm 6. In, in verse 6 there, Satan actually quoted from Psalms. But he misquoted it and quoted it out of context. Understand, Satan knows the Bible pretty well. And Jesus fired back with the Bible. And then the last time in verse 10, Jesus said, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Jesus demonstrated to us that we need to know and understand the importance of the word of God. How do you know you're saved? The Mormons talk about a burning in the bosom. There are other people who have some kind of an experience. Can I tell you this? I think you'll agree. Satan don't care if you've got an experience. He'll even help you have an experience. But you ought to be able to show someone from the Bible, here's why I know I'm saved. Because of what he said. 
that's how it works in the real world. I mean, this is the real world. You have a contract with someone, and then they try to say no, and they change their story. What do you take with you to the court? The written document. If you just stand there before the judge and say, well, that's not going to work. This is our written word. This is the word that God's given us. Just in the last few days, I, I have my phone up here. I never had my phone with me. I have my phone up here tonight because I was going to try to play it for you, but I can't get it to come up now. I lost it. Who cares? I'll tell you. Some, some dingbat female on CNN a few days ago said, the problem is all of these Christian nationalists. And I'm like, what is a Christian nationalist? What are we talking about? And she said, the problem is, is that there are people out there who really believe that their rights do not come from government or do not come from Congress. They come from God. That's what the Declaration of Independence says. It says, unalienable rights that come from God, the laws of nature, endowed by our creator. That's where they come from. They come from God. There are, there are laws, there are rights that God's given you. It doesn't matter what anybody says. They, see, if the government gives you your rights, the government has the right to take your rights away. But there are things that God gave you and the government can't take them away even if they try. So here's the question, Christian. Because this, this is the point she said. She said, they're just making it up. Oh, no, wait a minute. You know what? She's right about a lot of Christians. Because how many Christians have a word how many Christians are reading it? You can't take a TV show into the courtroom and say, this is my unalienable rights. I got it off of the TV show. They're going to laugh at you. That's a TV show. In fact, the creator said it's 95% fiction. And you know what else they're going to do? You guys say it's the King James, but those guys say it's the NIV, and they say it's the ESV. You guys can't even decide which one is which. See, Back when that declaration was written, this was it. Do you see what Satan has done? Why is everything so confusing? Because Satan is the author of confusion. You better have your Bible memorized and you better know it. One of these days, I don't think it'll be terribly long. And they'll decide this one is illegal <clears throat> because this one, like none of the others, this one is very much anti-sodomy. There's no question what it's saying when it talks about the sodomites. And we're coming to the day where this one will be illegal or, well, if that's your policy, if that's what you believe, you can't keep your tax-exempt status. I wonder how much this property in Custer, South Dakota is going to tax, get taxed for when that happens. That's how it'll happen. You say, Pastor, you're talking freaky. You're talking scared. Listen, I'm just telling you what the Bible says is going to happen. See, one of, one of the things I understand about studying our American heritage is it got real bad before it got good. There was persecution. There were people that did not have representation for their taxation. There were people that were forced to pay tithes to the state church. We have a state church right now. 65% of my income, my, my property taxes pay for the state church. It's called the public school system. It's the state religion. It's the most important thing in our town. They'll cancel everything else, but they won't cancel that. 
You say, that's not a religion. Can I go in there and share mine? Their religion is no religion. That's a religion. And it's taxation without representation. And it's a philosophy. They teach an origin. They teach an origin that is the religion. How did we get here? Nothing exploded. <clears throat> we, um, we didn't have that 200 and some years ago. So here, here's, here's the thing. I'm not afraid of how bad it's getting because we were talking tonight before church how that, you know what? It's getting easier to talk to people about the truth because even people who don't go to church are saying, that's wrong. People who didn't used to want to go anywhere, people who had convinced themselves that there's no good churches out there are all of a sudden finding out there is one. Just two or three days ago, a lady I don't know anything about living in Massachusetts messaged me on Facebook through Pastor Matt Furr's message and said, I listened to your message last week on Wednesday night. I have a Catholic background and I know there's something truth about that and I want to know how do I find the truth? Do you know of a church in my area I can go to? I'm like, man, that's exciting. And I tried to find her what I thought might be in sent to her and maybe she's listening in tonight I, I'm hoping and praying she finds and someone finds her we as the Bible says there is a famine in the land it's not a famine of food it's a famine of the word of God people are hungry for the truth and I don't blame them for turning to things like what we talked about the last couple of weeks that look like solid Christianity because when you get hungry you're desperate You'll, here's what happens when I get hungry it, 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 it happens to me and I hate it that it happens and I, and I wish I had better discipline and I'm thankful we don't have this laying around the house but we had it laying around the church kitchen today and some evil person left this in the kitchen open opened opened Here's the problem with these things. They really do taste good. And you can't stop unless you have a mean wife who makes you stop. And you can eat the entire bag and still not be satisfied. It's called junk food. And there are people who are way overweight and yet they're not healthy even though they have eaten lots of food because what they've eaten wasn't good for them it didn't have the nutrition they needed and there are people who are starving for good food Jesus said in Matthew chapter number uh, 5 just the next page Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 6. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. If that lady who contacted me this week doesn't quit until she finds the truth, she'll get blessed. The problem is if you're like me and you get real hungry and it's, I, I, I know I shouldn't be eating those things because those will not fix my problem. But you know what happens? Mm. nope there's broccoli there's asparagus there's Brussels sprouts there's good old I mean there's, there's chicken and rice and there's, and there's good stuff at home that will actually fix the problem if I'll just have enough patience and discipline to wait and I'm going to tell you something Satan has made good lots of junk food because he doesn't care if you're religious as long as you aren't biblically based. What's taking you to heaven? Could you explain to, to the rest of us in this room 
what it, what it is that makes you a Christian? How are you going to heaven? Do you know how? how you, could you explain it to someone? Well, I believe in Jesus. Can you, can you explain that? Because the devil believes there's a Jesus. Catholics believe there's a, a Jesus. Mormons believe there's a Jesus. And I, I, I want you to understand something. I don't remember who it was, but someone said it, I think it was last night or the night before. The Bible's not like a history book or a science book or an algebra book. It's, it's not a book that you read. All right, I read that. And, and I've, I've never been one that, that, that likes to read any more than I have to. But every day, I read the word of God. And it's become a habit. It is a good habit. And not only is it a habit, it's become a blessing. I'm thankful that through others, through my parents, through others in my life, I was taught to just read it. Just like I'm thankful that someone said, I don't care if you like broccoli or not. You're not allergic to it. You're going to eat it. Well, can you at least pour a pound of cheese on it? No. Why? Because someone smarter than you, wiser than you knows, it's good for you and one day you're going to appreciate that. To the point now where I would never trade that for broccoli. I mean, there's good stuff out there that's good for you. Boy, the other day I saw this picture of a, of a McDonald's hamburger that this lady had done a study on and it was over a year old and the lettuce was still green. That's scary. By the way, you know why, you, you know which one's better. You know that, that McDonald's are, is way better than burger and bun. You know how you can tell? Huh, look what happened to burger and bun. Obviously, their product wasn't as good as McDonald's. Wrong. We live in a world where people, people will eat absolute plastic because it's fast and it tastes good going down and it's cheap. And you know something? There's a lot of McDonald's Christians out there. It's convenient. It's popular, 55 billion served. It's popular, it's convenient, and it does nothing for you. And there's churches who even have clowns like Ronald McDonald. Yeah, but that's broccoli and it doesn't taste good. I'll tell you what, 10, 20 years from now, you're going to realize why Popeye likes spinach. You're going to realize why it is good for you. And I've been going around this long enough to realize, man, am I thankful. I'm thankful. And I realize, I, I, I do not mean to, to make you feel bad when I say this, but I'm thankful that I had a head start. I had parents who, who, who they didn't have a head start. And so as I was being born, as I was coming into the world, my dad was just getting saved. And my parents were finding, a, and when I was four years old, you know, they found a, a Baptist church, never been to one before. And they start going and they're like, and they start learning. And they got Sunday night church. Maybe we should go. And they go back Sunday night, Wednesday night, and, 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 and start just eating it up and eating it up. And, and, and then, well, that preacher says we need to do, well, that preacher showed us from the Bible that we should be doing this with Matthew. We've been doing it the Dr. Spock way. Some of you old timers remember Dr. Spock. And, and, and my mom was taught, you just need to let Matthew express himself. And my mom was pulling her hair out, letting Matthew express himself. And finally, my mom said, I'm going to express myself. And she realized, no, no, no. This is a bunch of philosophy, psychology, mumbo jumbo. And they started using this thing called a belt and a rod and a spanking, I mean, this plastic spoon. It was not in the kitchen for anything other than to be there for when they need it for me. And it's all from the book of Proverbs. If you love the Lord, if you love your child, you'll spank him. 
That's not just in there for filler. Well, my kids didn't need a spanking. Yeah, they did. There ain't never been a kid that didn't need a spanking. Chastening. Now, they don't all need the same kind of a spanking. I had a daughter. I had boys. There's a different, there's a different intensity. But all of it had to do with the word of God. And you know why the ding-dong on CNN said that? Because if people who say they believe the Bible would actually act on it, those CNN people would be in trouble. And they know it. And we live in a world where everyone's tried everything else out, and we just say, hey, I don't care what you think you know, the word of God is the answer. I'm not the answer. My church is not the answer, but the Bible's the answer. And let me tell you what it says. Jesus taught us, you fight Satan with the word. You fight him with the word. Let me just show you some things tonight before we stop. Look with me in Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. I love some of these things that Jesus said because it so illustrates the point. He's talking about the rich man that went to hell and the rich man is in hell and he's saying, I've got five brothers. Verse 27, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him, Lazarus, to my father's house. Would you send Lazarus back to earth from heaven since I'm not allowed to leave hell? Would you let Lazarus rise from the dead and go back to earth and preach to my five brothers? Verse 28, for I have five brethren that they may, he may testify unto them lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, they have Moses and the prophets. What does that mean? They have the, the Old Testament. They have the Bible at that time was the Old Testament. They have the scriptures. Let your brothers hear the scriptures. He said in verse 30, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, if they could see, (coughs) that makes sense to me. I mean, if a dead man showed up at your door and said, I'm back alive and I'm here to tell you a message from hell, your brother wants you to know you don't want to go to hell. Whoa! God doesn't put a premium on that. You know what he puts a premium on? His word. Abraham said they already have the word. They need to listen to the word. The the rich man who's in hell, who's not as smart as he thinks he is. No, no. If one went to them from the dead, they will repent. Verse 31. He said unto them, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded though one rose from the dead. That's Jesus' words. Jesus just put a premium on the Bible. He said, no, God's way is you find the word and you obey it or you disobey it. You believe it or you don't believe it. See, when you get to heaven, you get to the last page of the Bible, it says the books will be opened. Especially in this country, you can grab a Bible. If, you, if anybody in this town wants a Bible, they can find one easy. It's not that hard. Look at John chapter 20. John chapter 20. Jesus is speaking with his disciples. And if you remember, verse 24, Thomas was not there the first time. He was not with them, verse 24. John 20, verse 24. Verse 25, the other disciples therefore said unto him, we have seen the Lord, but he said unto them, except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. He said, I don't care what you guys tell me. I don't believe he's really alive. I wasn't here. I don't believe it. Except I can actually see him and feel him. I'm not going to believe. Verse 26, and after eight days again, his disciples were within, Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands. And reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, but believing. Jesus knew that's what Thomas said. And Thomas, in verse 28, said, My Lord and my God. And listen to what Jesus said. Thomas Because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. 
Now listen to this. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. You know who he's talking about? All of us. He said, Thomas, you, 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 you waited until you could see. But blessed are they that don't get to see and yet believe. I believe and I've never seen him. Well, how do you know there is a God? I believe it. I've never seen the wind, but I, I know there is wind. And, and I've never seen God, but I know there's a God. And I know the Bible's true, and I know this Bible's true. And I know it works. And what's interesting is that's not the end of the chapter. Jesus said, blessed are all of those who have never seen me and yet are going to believe. Verse 30, and many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But, verse 31, these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. Your, your faith is in the word. How do you know you're a Christian? The word says so. Well, how do you know that's the word? You can't destroy it. You might be able to destroy that copy right there, but you can't destroy it. Heaven and earth will pass away. It'll still be here. You can destroy those three documents out there. They're almost destroyed right now. But you're not going to be able to destroy this. And when it all, it, it's all said and done and I'm standing before the author of this word, my faith will need to be in the word. Not in some word fuzzy feeling or imagination that I had or what some priest told me, or some TV show producer told me, but what the word says. And Satan knows that. And he has been attacking the word ever since the beginning because that's where it's at. Satan realizes how much of a premium God puts on the word, so that's the one thing he gets Christians to get away from. And he offers... He's not tricking anybody in the Christian circles with the church of Satan. Nobody in here owns a satanic Bible, I'm sure. But if he can just get us off into junk food, where we, well, no, I'm full. I'm full. What'd you have? Doritos. You're full, but you're not filled you're full, but you're not satisfied. You're not going to get stronger and more healthy. You're going to be more and more anemic. A young boy that rides my school bus had his appendix taken out last week. Oh, that's sad. I realize stuff like that happens, and there might be people in here that have had their appendix taken out. But you know what a lot of it is? I'm not saying it's the case for this boy. I'm not a doctor. It's not my business. I just know it happened. He's a young boy. Here's what I know. Two things. You're supposed to have an appendix. Now, modern science says, you don't need one. Oh, no. It's there for a reason. You're supposed to have one. And number two, probably a lack of a good diet Most boys drink lots of sugar drinks. Doritos. And we have a health issue in our country because we have a junk food issue in our country. And all I'm trying to say is, is that I'm so thankful my mom wasn't nearly as disciplined as even my wife. <coughs> I'm thankful for both of them. But I remember my mom saying, no, we're not buying sugar smacks. We're not buying cinnamon toast crunch. She said, you can have Wheaties. You can have Cheerios. You can have Raisin Bran. But that's got sugar in it too. But she, and she said, and if you want to sweeten it, you can put some honey on it. And she said, we're not doing this white bread stuff. We're doing the wheat bread. And, and she was trying. I'm thankful. And, and yet most kids today, it's like, hey, I can't get them to eat good food. So I don't want them to starve to death, so I just 
whatever. I mean, they, they like that food, so that's what they eat. Remember years ago, there were some kids that came to on the Sunday school bus, and, and the bus captain that operated the Sunday school bus had them over for Thanksgiving. Parents didn't care if they were over there for Thanksgiving. And the, they were so excited. We're, we have turkey and mashed potatoes and dressing. And, and you know what those kids wanted? A hot dog. Come on, take a bite of this. It didn't taste good to them. I don't know about you, but I will never eat a hot dog over a Thanksgiving dinner. An Aldi's hot dog, have you ever had one? I remember years ago, there was this new book series out called Harry Potter. And then a few years after that, there was another book series out called Twilight. Harry Potter was all about witchcraft. Twilight was all about vampires. And I remember the adults saying, well, I know it's kind of weird, but I'm just thankful they're reading. Because I can't get them to read. Then why do you feed them? Well, that sounds mean. No, I'm serious. If you can't get your kid to do something, why do you feed them? My, my mom and dad, I, they weren't perfect, but they said, hey, you want to eat, this is what we're eating. No back talk. We're not going to go buy you what you like. Unless it kills you, you're going to eat it. Kids are amazing. I know something about kids. And here's what I know. They rise to the level you tolerate. They do. And they just, they spend most of their time finding out where that's at. Mom and dad really mean that? Hey, mom and dad really mean that? Boom! I mean that. And then that's where they rise to. And you know what? I mentioned the public school. Here's the problem. <laughs> Years ago, when we first had vacation Bible school, I remember a Sunday school teacher from another church in town said, I can't believe my kid is singing Bible verses. We can't even get him to memorize one verse. And my kid memorized several verses this week. You can. But if you as an adult don't expect it, you can't expect it. If you don't believe it can happen, it ain't going to happen. Well, the these and the thous are so hard for them to understand. No, they're not. And besides, if that's your attitude, how in the world are they going to understand the Declaration of Independence? Satan's done a great job. I mean, I, I will give him kudos. He has done a great job of making us biblically illiterate, feeding us on junk food, getting us hooked on stuff that doesn't help to the point where people are so desperate, kind of like the Harry Potter and Twilight attitude. Well, I know it's not the Bible, but I'm so glad they're at least watching the show. It's junk. And it will lead them to hell, not heaven. That lady's not the only one that contacted me this week. And the doctor says, what have they been eating? Well, they have Doritos and they have Cinnamon Toast Crunch and they have Pepsi and they have. But, but I do make sure that they have um, a granola bar once in a while. Shame on us. When we stand before God, he's going to say, how did you, the greatest nation in the world, with so much freedom... Neglect the very word of God. How did you have time for everything else? Oh, that's the other thing. When you fill up with this, even when you, even when you realize, I just bloated myself on Doritos. You can't eat the good stuff, right? Some people say, well, I don't have time to, to go to, I don't have time to read my Bible every day. I don't have time to go to everything the church has to offer. But you had time for the junk. 
There's people that have watched every episode of a, of a fictitious Jesus story. But they don't have time for what God tells us to do. Look with me in 2 Timothy. I'm almost done. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and 4. Second Timothy chapter three and four. <clears throat> Second Timothy chapter three, verse one. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such. Turn away. Satan's not going to fool you unless it looks godly. And then it goes on and it says, all that live godly will have persecution, verse 12. Verse 13, evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse. And then verse 14 says, and I drew a line from verse 1 to verse 14. Verse 14 says, perilous times shall come, but verse 14 says, continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. I am assured of the Bible. I don't trust my parents like I trust the Bible. I don't trust my wife even though I trust her a lot. I don't trust her like I trust the Bible. I don't trust anybody in this room like I trust the Bible. I am assured of the Bible. It doesn't matter if someone comes to me next week and says, science has now proven that this particular verse is wrong. I'm going to say, guess who's wrong? I wouldn't be surprised that the next 10 or 20 years if some archaeological discovery comes out of the Middle East, you know, and this archaeological discovery proves that the Bible is wrong. No, it doesn't. I know what the Bible is and I trust it. For years, they would try to bleed people thinking that would help them be healthy. That's exactly how George Washington died. He was bled to death. And yet Leviticus chapter 17 says, the life of the flesh is in the blood. And somebody forgot that. It says, continue, verse 15, that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures. I realize not everybody in here has known the scriptures since you were a child, but I have, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. I will never give up this Bible. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect. That means complete truly furnished into all good works. That's what I need. That's what you need. So now remember, chapters in the original chapters didn't exist. So you just keep reading. After verse 17, you just keep reading. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead, that's the living and the dead, at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Wait a minute, but in the sophisticated world we live in now, they, they won't listen to the, no, no, you just keep preaching the word. Now, that's not talking about what I'm doing right now behind a pulpit, although that is certainly part of preaching, but preaching is when you talk to anybody in your life about the Bible, like preach the gospel to every creature. That doesn't mean you have to do it in church. It means everywhere you go, preach the gospel. And that's what it's saying, preach the word. How are you gonna preach the word? You gotta know it. And the more you know it, the more it will start to make a difference in someone's life when you share it with them. Listen, here's what the Bible says. Uh, someone asks you a question, how did you do this? Or how do you handle this? Here's what the Bible says. You just keep preaching the word. It says, preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. What does that mean? When it's popular and when it's not popular. When it's convenient, when it's not convenient. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. What does that mean? You're supposed to reprove, you're supposed to rebuke, and you're supposed to exhort with, long, with patience. Understanding that they don't understand. When, when I say preach the word, I'm not like going, Argh! but just here's what the Bible says. This is where you went wrong. And I'm not trying to be unkind, but this is where you went wrong. Here's what the Bible says. This is God's word. This is what you gotta know. 
with long-suffering. This is what you got to know. And then notice verse 3. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. That's kind of a funny thing to say, but it means to tickle the ears, to tell them what they want to hear. That's why the mega churches exist because someone's out there telling them exactly what they want to hear. They will not endure sound doctrine that says you're a sinner and you need to get saved and you're on your way to hell until you get saved and you're wrong when you're living in sin. They don't want to hear that about sin. And so they want to go where that sin word never gets mentioned and sin is only for people who are mean and unkind and and are not woke. And and, And that time will come. I think we're here. And then notice, it's not, it's not done yet. Verse 3, having itching ears. And they shall turn away, verse 4. They shall turn away their ears from the truth. What's the truth? The word of God. They shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. You know what another word for fable is? fiction fiction the producer said it's 95% fiction no wonder everybody likes it imagine if God had just invented that why didn't God think of that and I know there are sincere and soft-hearted people in this room saying, but pastor, I so desperately want my loved one to just get interested in God and Jesus. I do too. But if you compromise, it ain't going to work. And if they fall for a false Jesus, Satan trapped you and them. They don't need fables. It didn't say preach the fables. Verse 2 said, preach the word. And I just want to finish by going to Psalm 138. And we're done. Psalm 138. <clears throat> Psalm 138. This is an amazing statement. What would you think if you heard me after church tonight or tomorrow or next week and I was downtown and you heard me say blankety blank Jesus Christ if we were working on a project and I smashed my thumb with a hammer blankety blank Jesus Christ little boy not even out of grade school yesterday behind me while I was driving the school bus used Jesus' name in vain I looked in the mirror. He looked over at me because he knows what I am. He and his friend looked right at me. I just looked at him. What would you do if someone had a t-shirt that said, Jesus is a fag or Jesus is a Nazi or Jesus is a whatever? How dare you drag the name of Jesus? How dare you use the name of Jesus like that? But notice what it says in Psalm 138 and verse 2. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. His word is more magnified than his name. In chapter 119, it says in verse 9, how can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. 105 says, thy word is a lamp to my feet 
and delight into my path. 130 says, the entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. It's funny. I'm not brilliant. I know that didn't come as a shock to anybody. I, I it's it's humorous that 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 one of my children can do math problems that I don't even understand because I'm not brilliant. It's humorous that that I have what I have. In fact, I've often joked because I've often said if the IRS agent came and visited me and saw what I have, they'd say, you are lying about something. Because I'm not brilliant. Me, you know, when it comes to like the stock market type stuff, you know, and investments, I'm usually going in when everyone's going out because they know what they're doing and I don't. You know, I'm not brilliant. But the more I have this, (laughs) I'm brilliant. In other words, how did you get that? Well, you, you can see what I am, and yet you can see what I have. And I'm telling you right now, it's this right here. I'm not ashamed of my kids. I'm not bragging, except on him. Years ago, a man who's not even alive anymore, wealthy man, used to own a Mack truck dealership, several, sat with me and said, Matt, you've got good kids. And I said, well, I, I just tell you it's the Bible. No, 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 you, you need to take credit. Uh, it's the Bible. Don't magnify yourself and don't magnify anything other than the word. When people ask you, so why do you do that? The word says. Well, why do you do that? The word says. Well, what makes you think you're going to heaven? The word says. Well, pastor, I I, I would have to actually know what it says in order to say that. Bingo. That's why you ought to be reading it every day. And that's why if you're like me, even if you read it every day, you need to let somebody else preach it to you and teach it to you. Because if you're like me, it's like, oh, I forgot that. I'm so glad that was brought up tonight because I forgot that. I saw a statement. I think it's good. God is not who you think he is. God is who he says he is. A lot of people imagine things about God that aren't true. It's very dangerous. And if you look closely at the word imagine, it has the word image in it. And a lot of people have a false image of who God is. Your imagination can be wrong. God is not who you think he is. God is who he says he is. Someone says, well, I think God's going to, you know, He's going to let me into heaven. Why? Well, because I'm not as bad as some people. That's not in the word. Well, I can't imagine God. I know, but that's not what it's based on. God is exactly who he says he is. And everybody going to heaven is going the same way. And everyone going to hell is going to go lots of different ways, but it'll be because they ignored the one way. And it doesn't matter what you imagine. That's what he said. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. And he meant it. Let's pray. Lord, help us to magnify your word. Help us to know it. Help us to study it. Help us to relearn what we forgot, to get reintroduced to it, to have it repeated and reminded. Help us to realize we got to know it. And as many of us are getting older, we're losing some of our brain cells and we need to be refreshed and reminded over and over again. And thank you, God, that you gave us your word. You gave me the ability to read. Thank you for that. Help me to never substitute the, the, the food for something junk. Help me to just know your word, share your word, 
and trust you to touch the appetite of people to want to feed on your word. Help us to never settle, satisfy or settle for something less. And if there is someone here tonight that does not know you, truly know you as Savior, they know about you, but they don't really know you as Savior. If they died, they wouldn't be in heaven. There's no assurance of that. They would realize they need to trust you and your word, what your word says. And help us to preach your word, live your word, and follow your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.